Welcome. Welcome to the porch here on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basics. Following the example of the Book of Acts Church and what the Lord taught to find what the church was really doing, and sorry, my screen just went haywire, had a couple of technical things go crazy just before I went on the air, but I'm back. Here we go. We delve deeper into Scripture. We find the church the Lord intended, not the one that man created. Porch has always been about restoring the priesthood of the believer and regaining the world-shaking influence that the early church had. We believe the day of Pentecost is ongoing. The fire of the upper room still burns. Anybody who wants it can have it. I hope that if you're here, you already have it. If not, you're seeking it. If you have any questions, go to firefalltalkradio.com, use the contact button, or you can write us directly at the porch, lowercase one word, at Firefall Talk Radio. If you'd like to support us and what we do, there's ways to do that on the bottom of the homepage on Firefall Talk Radio. We appreciate your support and encouragement. Just give as the Lord leads. We have uh, needs. We pay for various streaming uh, services to make sure that this gets out there so that you can be a part of the porch community. So welcome to all of our listeners from the various streaming platforms. Rosh Hashanah is over. Yeah, Rosh Hashanah is over. Sorry, folks, something's going on here. Um, I hope this is the right page I have open. Yom Kippur begins tomorrow night, September 16th at sundown. It's the day the high priest offers sacrifices to atone for the sins of the nation of Israel. He slaughtered a goat and then symbolically released a second goat, the scapegoat, out into the wilderness and laying the sins of the nation upon him. Now, we know that Yeshua was our scapegoat. He took it upon himself. He was the Lamb of God. We no longer participate in Yom Kippur because Yeshua is the ultimate high priest. That's what it says in Hebrews 9.12, that he did it once for all. Those who trust in him have the promise that their names are written in the Lamb's book of life as mentioned in Revelation 21.10, and they have been forgiven. So let's pray for our Jewish brothers and sisters who do not believe in Yeshua as their Messiah, that they would accept his atoning sacrifice. So join with me and pray that they would find the hopeful assurance of forgiveness that only the blood of the Lamb, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, can provide. And Sukkot Feast of Tabernacles starts Tuesday, September 21st, and goes through the 27th. This has been a month starting with Rosh Hashanah, which is over, a month of renewal, moral responsibility, forgiveness, and joy. So we're in the midst of that. So let's start out by praising him, telling him how much we love him, how joyful we are that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life that we have been redeemed, we have been restored in right relationship to our Heavenly Father. So I thank Him. I thank Him for my salvation. Coming in on 33 years, October 9th of 1988, we're a little less than a month away. I cannot imagine what it would be like to go through this world right now without having Him as my assurance, as my Savior, as my friend. So I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the family that he gave back to me, the one that I discarded, repeating the sins of the Father. I'm thankful. thankful for my sons, my daughter-in-laws, our grandson, our furry kids, the two we have now and all that we have had over the years. They are our family. thankful for the home that I'm sitting in, that I can do this, that I use for him in, in the ministry. I'm thankful for all of you. Some of you become family. You become friends. You become pe- more than just listeners and, and members of the porch communities. I pray for each and every one of you every day. Praise him for provision, for divine protection, for the Psalm 91 covering that is over us and activated 
as we activate it every day. It's offered to us, but we must apply it. Praising him for the dreams and the visions and living out Joel 2.28. Peter spoke it that day on Pentecost, and it is ongoing. And as we get closer to the end, things speed up and become more active. Been awakened in the night, many nights lately, to pray, trying to seek his face and find out what's going on. Praise him for his healing virtues. They are still available to each and every one of us. To get back to our divine design, sometimes we have to repent. We have to apologize for our part in whatever the enemy has done to our body. He is the divine physician. Put all those things under the blood, seek him, and pray and believe and receive. Praise him for favor, for the divine revelation that I've already mentioned that is available to all of us. Anybody, you don't have to go to a third party. It's between you and the Lord through the Holy Spirit. You have direct access to the throne room, to him. Now, others may confirm what you're seeing or you're hearing, but stop seeking the word of prophets and seek the Lord. I praise him for the signs that I believe he's giving that he's getting ready to return. And unfortunately, some of those signs are not very pleasant. They're the evil. They're the darkness. They're the things we're seeing in this world. So we should be ready. And we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. But first, I want to pray. And now we start out praying Psalm 122, verse 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. And I pray for Israel every day. Pray for their leadership. I pray against their enemies as I pray for America and its leadership. You might wonder how I pray. I'm not a fan of this administration. So I pray that they would repent. I pray that they would get saved, healed, and delivered before the return of the king. Otherwise, they're going to stand before him, and it won't be very pleasant. So, Lord, I'm praying you'd forgive us. Forgive America. Shed your grace upon us. I have prayers for the people around the world, the various nations that are being um, persecuted, tormented. The spirit of the Antichrist has taken over a lot of the governments that are out there right now. Some are just bold. Some are just saying, hey, we're setting up the new world order. This is the way it's going to be. Well, Hasatan has always been ahead of the game. He's always gotten out in front of himself. And I'm praying for those people that have been victimized. Isaiah 117 says, Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. Defend the fatherless. And plead for the widow. Widow. Got a little emotion there because rebuke the oppressor jumped out at me. So, Father, we rebuke the oppressor. We come in your name. We call for justice. We call for righteousness. We call for healing. We, we call for you to put in place the leaders that will serve you and honor your word in Yeshua's name. Praying for the fatherless and the widows, the persecuted and the martyred, the innocent and those who are victims of injustice. Praying against the slaughter of the innocents, both in and out of the womb, both human and animal. Praying for missing and exploited children, the victims of sex trafficking, young boys, young girls, teenagers. It is completely satanic. It is completely diabolical. It's gone on for way too long, and too many people are making a lot of money at it, and it's disgusting. Praying for our brothers and sisters around the world that are being slaughtered for their faith, persecuted for their faith, that growing religious persecution, the anti-Semitism, the boldness of the spirit of the Antichrist that we see every day. We see it in every aspect of our lives, media, entertainment, uh, politics, finance, even ministry. He believes his personal unveiling is approaching, I believe, his personal destruction is approaching. I'm praying for divine wholeness, health, and continued healing as each and every one of us get back to our divine design. If you're sick or you're injured, like I mentioned before, if you're a part of the problem, become part of the solution by repenting. Cry out to him to fix what you've done, but start out by telling him you're sorry. You're sorry that you sought anybody but him first. 
Now, he may direct you to a doctor. He may direct you to a, a medical process. But you should always be running everything by him instead of running here and there and looking for this program and this doctor and this clinic and this place and that place. I tell you what, after 21 years of not having a doctor, recently I went to one, and I will just state unequivocally, doctors are completely useless to me. Praying for a hedge of protection, that Psalm 91 covering over each and every one of us, that we would have the fire of the Holy Spirit to inspire us to do what needs to be done. For the remnant to wake up, rise up, answer the call to action. If you've been blessed, be a blessing. If you know someone that's been blessed, tell them to be a blessing. Unfortunately, manna doesn't fall from the sky anymore. It it takes, unfortunately, money to do things. And I'm not looking to buy jets or build giant monstrosities that some people call churches. I mean, I would like to have a studio. I would like to be able to produce a documentary and other things. But that's in the Lord's timing. But doing what we do here on the porch, SRT, Firefall, everything, unfortunately, takes funds. If you feel led, we would appreciate it. Praying for our lost family members. If you're not doing that every day, if you're not calling them out by name, if you're not calling them into the kingdom, praying for them to be saved, healed, and delivered, what are you doing? What are you praying for? I don't have any, I have a report about uh, the, my son's, gave a prayer request for his client's daughter, Brianna, last week. Well, she's gone home, but she's still on oxygen, so keep praying. Pray for miraculous healing, that the Lord would turn this around, and Jesse would be able to witness to them about the power of prayer. I do have one from Jackson in Franklin, Tennessee. He's the son of um, what I would call my legal counsel for Firefall, but he's also a friend, and I consider his family family. He's struggling with COVID. He's asked for prayer. So we're going to pray right now for Jackson. Total healing, total clearing up of your lungs. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, I just speak to you. I speak to your body. I speak to your DNA. I speak to whatever is going on inside of you right now and tell your body, go back to its divine design. Let every virus, let every bug, let anything and everything that is not of the Father that's in you right now be purged and that you be healed and delivered in the glory of the name above all names, Yeshua HaMashiach. So, Father, we just come to you now. You know the needs of all the people that normally give prayers, whether it's my wife Deb or Nick in Dallas, Allison in Scotland, Woody here in Central Florida, Junior in Oklahoma, Dawn and Mark in South Carolina, Stacy in Texas, and Kim in Fort Mitchell. If I'd missed anybody, that was complete ad-lib. I wasn't even prepared to do that. Peggy in uh, Alabama. Father, We're your kids, and we love you. We hate this fallen world and this fallen world system and what the enemy's doing to your children and to this world. But we tell you how much we love you. You are an awesome dad, an awesome father. Thank you. Thank you for loving us when we were so unlovable, sending Yeshua to die for us. Thank you for saving us, rescuing us, healing us, delivering us. Thank you for allowing us to sit with you in the throne room at the right hand of your son who's at your right hand. And we long for the day that we see you face to face. And we can do this personally. But until then, we boldly approach the throne of grace and mercy saying, Abba, Father, Papa, God, Daddy, Lord, we love you and we need you. We really need you right now. We need these blessings. We need the healing. We need more of you. We need more Holy Spirit teachings. We need more divine revelation. We just need more. Right now, we claim it, we believe it, and we receive it. Everything that you have for us. We claim our family members into the kingdom, out of darkness, into the light. So have your way, Holy Spirit. Do what you will. Whatever you want to do, do it. You have free reign over us, over this word, over the the voice coming out of my mouth. Protect us. Bless this technology. Let there be no distractions or no interference. And we just praise you and love you. And if you agree with me, in Yeshua's name, say 
Amen. These lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So initially, I wasn't sure what I was going to do today. I, I really started working on an actual Bible study, and it didn't feel right. And then I started thinking about just talking to you, and and I knew that would just turn into a rant, and while my opinion may have value to me, it really has no earthly value. And I say that because a lot of people on, on YouTube suddenly have an opinion. They have an opinion about the church, they have an opinion about other believers, and about the teaching of the Word, and I hardly see any scripture to back up their opinion. And I'm not saying they shouldn't have an opinion, they should. But the only thing that matters is what the Word says. The only thing that matters is what the Lord said to us in the Word. The only thing that matters is what the Holy Spirit says to us. He is the Spirit of truth. And right now, we've got a whole lot of things that are not true happening in the church. And it's the wrong time for that to be happening. So I'm going to call this a remnant wake-up call. And I went back and I looked at the supernatural battle, the, the book I wrote about uh, less than a decade ago. And by the way, I did write an update, but it got so big there was no way I was going to get it printed, and I just haven't had the money to put it out as an ebook. But the very first chapter of the book had to do with warfare. And the title was called Warfare. What Warfare? And that was a common refrain that I heard then and I still hear now. I still see people on, on social media that do not believe that there's any warfare, that there's no danger out there. And I'm astounded at that. I'm astounded at the flock and the sheep wandering into the mouths of the wolves, wandering out from under the covering of the shepherd. And the Lord has always spoken to me through movies, because I, being a filmmaker and, and uh, having always wanted to be an actor since as long as I can remember, and then becoming one and doing all that. But he's always spoken to me visually. And one of the films he spoke to me in was The Lord of the Rings and the trilogy. And before some of you go off and tell me it's demonic, I'm going to tell you, go do some homework on what uh, Tolkien was writing about and what he believed. He and his friend C.S. Lewis would meet every day and pray and discuss the word. So I'm not going to defend speaking to you about that topic. But I'm just going to use something I used in the book. There's a scene in the book where they're trying to get this king, Theoden, to get involved in the war because the enemy is moving and he's coming. And the, the king simply says, I will not risk open war. And then Aragorn, one of the lead characters, says, open war is upon you whether you will risk, would risk it or not. Well, that, that's part of what I feel. Well, I don't want to... I don't want to anger the enemy. That's your job, Richard. You get to go confront, of the, confront the enemy. I want to live this quiet, little, peaceful life. I don't want to be. In, I don't want to risk warfare. Well, too freaking bad. You're in a war, whether you would risk it or not. And and the king of Rohan was representative to me of the leadership of the traditional corporate church of today. To them, warfare is a thing of the past. Is something you used to do, but no longer have to do. Oh, we'll just pray. Oh, the Lord will send his angels. He'll do all of that for us. And I've yet to have somebody find anywhere in the New Testament where it says exactly that. And even churches that are predisposed to warfare or spiritual warfare and supernatural things, charismatic, Pentecostal, full gospels, gospel, spirit-filled, whatever you want to call them, are inefficient and in missing in action in preparing the flock for the prophesied end times. Now, Larry and I, we pray every day, and the last couple of days we've talked about this. 
And yesterday I just stated flat out, and I state to you right now, that his church is not prepared for what's coming. When full all-out supernatural warfare enters our lives, both in the spirit realm, in the corporeal natural realm, the terrestrial realm, the church at large is going to fail. Now, I believe some people that are not ready will heed the call and they'll rise up and they'll do whatever they need to. But I believe for the most part, the leadership in what we call the church today, they'll run. Well, I won't run. Larry won't run. I know others that, well, we will run. We'll run to the front lines. We'll run ahead of you to keep the enemy from getting to you. But I have to tell you, I'm not excited about it. When I was a younger baby baby Christian, I was excited about this moment in time. I was excited about the warfare. Well, now that I've been in it for almost 33 years and since 2007, doing what I do with SRT, I'm, I'm not excited about it at all. I'm not excited about what he has shown me in dreams and visions and what it's going to look like. But more than that, I'm not excited that even many of you are not prepared for what's coming. And there's a reason for that. But we're going to talk about that. But I get why people backed off. The spiritual warfare movement peaked in the 1990s. And the enemy played off our zeal and our zealous enthusiasm and inspired error in excess. And people were hurt. Families were destroyed. Ministries were ruined. Churches were ruined. And by the time I moved to Orlando in 1995, the spiritual warfare had completely imploded upon itself and lay in ruins. Mistakes were made. In our fervor, we got ahead of the Lord. We did things our flesh told us to do. We had people leading young Christians, baby Christians, to the front lines to wave their imaginary swords and act like they were big and bad and they were entities thousands of years old that just chuckled and salivated and drooled out of the corner of their mouths. I've seen the carnage. I get it. And I'm not fixated on it, but I understand we live in a fallen world and we were told to occupy we were told to take heart and take a stand. Some of you have been told that the Satan, the enemy, is a toothless lion. He's not a toothless lion. In fact, you can't find that in the Bible. Has he been defeated? Yes. Has he submitted? No. That's why it says in 1 Peter 5, starting with verse 8, I've read this a lot over 30, almost 33 years, be sober. Be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. Doesn't say a toothless lion. Doesn't say a coughing lion. Doesn't say an old lion. Says a roaring lion. Seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Hmm, he's toothless, but I'm suffering. How is that? Because he's not. But may the God of all grace, who has called us to his eternal glory by Messiah Yeshua, after you have suffered for a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Well, if he's toothless... How's he devouring you? How's he literally tearing you apart and swallowing you in chunks? That, that's what Peter says. He's not toothless, but I'm not afraid. And you want to know why you shouldn't be afraid either? Because the spirit, the power that created him is inside of you. One of the first things the Lord taught me was that I had the power of the Creator over the creation. Now, that doesn't mean I'm foolish or foolhardy, and I don't understand the ramifications of who He is, but that means I'm not afraid. I will take a stand. I will push back. I will take the lamb out of the lion's mouth. I will walk into their kingdom when the Lord says, Go, and I'll do it with complete confidence, maybe a little bit of attitude, and get the job done. Peter says, be sober, be self-disciplined, 
Think rationally, not foolishly, not fearfully. And how do you do that? You do that by the Word being in you, the Spirit being in you. And what I see is most people that fail at this have little to no Word in them. Their spirit, man, is completely exhausted, weak, malnourished, dehydrated. Be vigilant. That means to be alert to the spiritual pitfalls of life and take the appropriate steps to make sure we don't stumble. To be awake, watchful, to be ready and never off your guard. That's why the last two weeks we talked about choices having consequences. That's how the enemy defeats you. He sets you up by getting you to make bad choices. As Larry and I were talking today, he reminded me about a, a scene in the movie The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey. And while by no means is it on the quality of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, it still had some things in there that resonated spiritually. And at the end of the movie, Gandalf is trying to convince the others, uh, Elrond, Galadriel, they're trying to convince them that there's a danger coming. There's a dangerous evil lurking and that they must do something. But you know what their response is? Oh, that dragon smog, he's been asleep for 400 years. He's no longer a threat. Why should we even care about them? In fact, one of them, Galadriel, says, that dragon has long been on your mind. I hear that a lot. Oh, Richard, you talk about the devil all the time. Well, the Lord did. The disciples did. A third of his ministry was about deliverance and, and dealing with the minions of hell. And not the yellow minions. Minions are cute. These are bad, evil ones. Then Gandalf says, it is true, my lady, smog owes allegiance to no one. But if he should side with the enemy, a dragon could be used to terrible effect. Brothers and sisters, the dragon has already sided with our enemies. He sided with a couple of nations, particularly one of which whose symbol is the dragon. You go figure that out. And Elrond says, what do you mean? And Gandalf says, there is something at work beyond the evil of smog, beyond the evil of the dragon, something more powerful. We can remain blind to it, but it will not be ignoring us that I can promise you. You can remain blind to the dangers. You can remain blind to everything I'm telling you, but it's not blind to you. Matter of fact, predators seek out the weak, the helpless, the ignorant and the old first. But Galadriel understood. She told Gandalf something moves in the shadows unseen, hidden from our sight. It will not show itself, not yet, but every day it grows with strength. You must be careful. That's what I'm telling to you. And I've been telling you this since March of 2010 on the porch. And for a decade... I did the porch on Wednesday night, the Bible study, and then on Sunday night, we did a show called Reflections in the Dark, where we tied the prophetic and the supernatural and the paranormal and everything that was going on back to the Bible study. And they were hooked together, and that's how many of you found me. And I've had people ask me about doing Reflections in the Dark again. It was just a lot of work doing both in the same week, doing the Sunday night show live, and I do these live, which means I study all day, I prepare all day. I don't just roll in and read from my computer or read from the the Internet. I come in, I spend the time, and I was giving up all day Wednesday and all day Sunday, and it just got to be too much. And as yet, the Lord has not released me to do it again. But I'm here to tell you, you must be careful. You must be sober, well-balanced, and self-disciplined. Be alert and cautious at all times. That enemy of yours, that enemy of ours, the devil and his kingdom, I'm going to add some words to you, prowls around like a roaring lion that is fiercely hungry. And by the way, he never gets full. Seeking someone to devour. But 
resist him. Be firm in your faith against his attack, rooted, established, immovable, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being experienced by your brothers and sisters throughout the world. You do not suffer alone. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who imparts his blessing and favor, who called you to his own eternal glory and Messiah, will himself complete, confirm, strengthen, and establish you, making you what you ought to be. Our walk in a fallen world is a struggle. It's not easy. Anybody who tells you that it's easy has misled you. It's war. A war for our hearts, our minds, and our souls. Staying vigilant isn't just about the enemy. It's also about the coming of the Lord as well. Revelation 3.3 Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch... I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know or know what hour I will come upon you. Let me read that again. I messed it up because my mind just went somewhere else as the Lord was showing me something, and I wasn't very good on doing the both at the same time. Oh, boy. Holy Spirit's thick in here right now. Lord, we praise you. I want to stop right now. Holy Spirit, I thank you. I thank you for joining us. I thank you for being a part of this. I thank you for encouraging us and edifying us and building up our spirit man, opening our eyes and our mind to the word and to the truth. Revelation 3, 3, and then I'm going to read Revelation 16, 15. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch... I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. Then Revelation sixteen fifteen. Behold, I is I am I am coming as a thief. Boy, my spirit man just jumped. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked, and they see his shame. I interact with a lot of people. And all the various things I do, many of whom claim to be believers. And I can tell you unequivocally, the majority of the people I see are not prepared for his coming. Problem is, in the church we have too many Marthas and not enough Marys. Go with me to Luke 10, verse 38. Now, while they were on their way, Yeshua entered a village called Bethany. And a woman named Martha welcomed him him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was continually continually listening to his teaching. But Martha was very busy and distracted with all of her serving responsibilities. She's got the disciples. She's got the Lord. She's got his brother and her sister Mary sitting there. So she approaches him and says, Lord, is it of no concern to you that my sister has left me to do the serving alone? Tell her to help me and do her part. But the Lord replied to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered and anxious about so many things. But only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, that which is to her advantage, which will not be taken away from her. Now, he could have chastised her, but it was tender. Martha, Martha was was a tender reply. But he was telling her she was so anxiety-written over ordinary matters that she had chosen to do this when in actuality she should have been sitting there with her sister. Folks, we get caught up in too many things that have no heavenly value, that are distractions. Colossians 3.2, set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above, the heavenly things, 
not on things that are on the earth, which only have temporal value. You know, when I started Reflections in the Dark, and my friend, the legal counsel, Jackson's father, Lenny, shared with me the other day, we were talking about some things that have been being taught. And he said, back then, Reflections in the Dark was the only one covering supernatural things from a biblical perspective. Now everybody seems to be dealing with political things. I thought about that. Folks, politics is a scam. It's professional wrestling. They've picked who's going to be the good guy and who's going to be the bad guy. They call him the heel. They work out the script, who's going to take the fall, make it really dramatic, maybe even show a little blood. But the winning person has already been picked. The outcome is scripted. And then they go off after everything's over and have drinks and cigars together. And the audience has been fooled. Well, not so much anymore, but we're not fooled anymore either. Politics is theater. If you really believe that the people you vote for are going to make a difference, you haven't been paying attention. And I'm not saying that there's some people feel called to it. That's fine. That's good. The Lord's only given one commission. Go make disciples of all men. Get people saved, healed, delivered. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is not our home. This is a fallen world system ruled by the fallen, ruled by the kingdom of darkness. And our job is not to get caught up in that like Martha's caught up in doing things, building things, cooking things. You're never going to be able to resist the enemy if you don't get closer to God, if you don't get closer to the Lord, if you don't invite the Holy Spirit into your life, into your every minute, every moment, every hour of the day life. James chapter 4, starting with verse 7. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. You know, he is he's my best friend. He's my everything. Every moment of the day that I'm awake, I'm talking to him. I'm interacting with him. Sometimes even when I sleep. He's the first person I think of when I get up in the morning. The last person I think of at night. But I also recognize he is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I don't just arrogantly, callously enter his presence. I know that he sits upon the throne. And when it says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up, I've always visualized that about getting on one knee before the king and dropping your head so you don't make eye contact and having him reach down and grab you by the hand and stand you up. Humility and submission to God, to humility and submission to the Lord will insulate you from the influences of a fallen world. The influences of Hasatan and his kingdom. When it says your adversary, the devil, that doesn't just mean one that you're in a fight with. This is somebody, that's a legal term. It's in reference to legal affairs. Because he's accusing you before God, Revelation 12.10. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Messiah have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. If you remember in the wilderness, when Hasatan confronted the Lord, he spoke the word to him, and the Lord spoke the word back. 
He is the greatest prosecutor that this world has ever seen. He's corrupt and he cheats. Of course he does. He sends people out to manipulate you to get you to do wrong. We're seeing that in the news now. People have been arrested for doing things that you turn out that the law enforcement agencies go to them and set them up to do. It's called entrapment. That's Satan. He will entrap you. He will convince you it's okay. Sit in front of that computer screen. Play video games all day. I don't worry about the Bible. It'll be there tomorrow. Don't worry about praying for your family or getting a job or going out and visiting somebody and bringing them food or that friend of yours that's in prison. Don't worry about that. They'll still be there tomorrow. Eat, drink, and be merry. He'll convince you to do things that you know are wrong, even just slightly off, one degree off, and before you know it, you're lost. That's what he does. And until the Lord does what Revelation 12:10 says, until it's over and he's been cast down, he's working to destroy us using God's laws and spiritual rules against us. He's passionate. He's pathological. He's obsessed with destroying us. We should be just as committed to withstand him, to set against him, to push back, to say, no, you won't have my son, you won't have my daughter, you won't have my husband or my wife or whoever it is he's got his eyes on. I'm going to pray until I can't pray anymore. I'm going to pray until I pass out. I'm going to beat you up with the word. I'm going to ask the Lord to to bind you and send angels to deal with you. I'm going to love them into the kingdom. I'm going to plunder your storehouse. I'm going to take your goods from you. We should be watching. We should be vigilant. We should be committed to two things. One, what the enemy's doing, and two, what the Lord's going to do, because when he comes back, it's done. He's going to, I believe, and you may not agree with me, I believe I'm going to take a drink of water for a second. Hold on. I believe he's going to snatch the church out of here. And that which restrains the spirit of the Antichrist, the church and the Holy Spirit, when it's gone, he's going to come forward. And at some point, the prison doors to the pit will be opened. And those things that have been in prison since Genesis 6 are going to be let out. And the earth is going to be covered with both demonic and hybrid humans and all the mythological things we've heard in the past, but his church won't be here. The world will. And at first they'll think it's awesome. They'll think it's great. Oh my gosh, this is just like that movie. Then somewhere in the midst of it, they're going to show their true nature. And just like in in the days of Noah, they'll start to feed on humanity. They'll start to destroy humanity. They'll start to fight amongst themselves to the point that the earth will be completely destroyed if he doesn't leave the throne to come rescue us. Oh, Richard, that's silly. That can't possibly be true. Yeah, it is true. The word says so. You don't want to be here. You don't want your family members here. And there's a lot of people out there that are trying to get you to give up on the idea that there's a rapture or that there's a, a church being snatched out of here, that we're going to go through the time of Jacob's trouble, just like Israel, and that is not scriptural. But if you want to stay, have at it. If he shows up, say, hey, I don't want to go, just leave me. But I would suggest that when you pray, you tell him you're ready. You tell them, hey, when you come, take me. I don't want to be here when all that goes down. 2 Thessalonians 2, starting with verse 1. Now, brethren, and that word brethren means both brothers and sister. It's a collective word. 
concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Messiah had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come until the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. That roaring lion is cunning and he's cruel. He's merciless. He has no sympathy for you. He will attack when it's least expected, and his desire is to completely destroy everyone and everything that he attacks. So as a wake-up call to the remnant, what are you going to do? Are you going to stand against this? Are you going to oppose it? Are you willing to experience the same sufferings as others, knowing that when you do this, you will suffer for a while? We were commanded not to run. That's not the command, oh, run, run away, away. No, resist, fight rather than flee. Victory comes when we remain committed to God because he is greater than the enemy. Greater is he that is in you than he that is against you. And the sufferings are something, hardships, pain, maybe they're emotional, maybe they're physical. There's some kind of an affliction. Not all the sufferings are the same. He attacks all of us differently. But in all of that, 1 Peter 5, that sounds like warfare to me. But at the end, it says he will perfect you. That word perfect is like a doctor setting a broken bone. He will mend our lives. He will make us whole. He will establish us. He'll make us stable. He'll make sure we're sure-footed. The Holy Spirit will teach us about what we need to know so that we can keep our balance spiritually. No more instability. No more wavering to and fro like the, a, a ship on the waves and the wind is buffeting it. Nope, we're anchored. We understand we're living in a world that hates us and wants to destroy us and wants us to suffer. Sorry, not accepting that, not giving in. And then he'll give us the ability to succeed. He will strengthen us. That's what this is about. That's what doing the porch all these years has been about, to strengthen you and to prepare you for what's coming and now is happening. That we'll succeed in all that we do for him. Then finally he will settle us. He'll give us that firm foundation that we can stand, that we can build on. We will become steadfast and immovable. That's my desire for you. I'm not trying to build a legacy. There's a, there's a song by Casting Crown called Only Jesus. I'm not trying to build a legacy. I'm not trying to make a name for myself. I don't want to build my own kingdom. I want to build his kingdom. I want you to know about him. I want you to be sober. I want you to be vigilant. And I want you to resist him steadfast in the faith. But I'm always going to remind you, just like Paul did to Timothy, just like Peter did before, but know this. That in the last days, which began on the day of Pentecost, by the way, perilous times will come. 
for people, men and women, will be lovers of themselves. Hey, did you see that Met Gala in New York the other night? Talk about demons having a party, demons doing dress-up. Oh, my goodness. Some of them were smart enough to completely cover their face. Be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into household and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as John's and Jambres, the uh, Egyptian sorcerers who resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt mind, disapproved concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. Now Paul from 10 on is talking to us because he's talking to Timothy and he's talking to the church that Timothy Timothy is pastoring. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions I endured. And out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, all who desire to live godly in Messiah Yeshua will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. This talking to Timothy, that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Messiah Yeshua. And just like you, you can know the word and be made wise for salvation through faith in the Lord. And he ends this with all scriptures given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God, I'm just going to say the child of God, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul's exhortations, Peter's teachings, even the Lord himself has said, hey, Endure the hardships. It's going to get ugly. It's going to get tough. But I'm going to be right there with you. Rightly divide the word. Get into the word. Study the word. Can't understand it if you won't study it. And be a vessel fit for the master's glory. Even in perilous times. See, that's where we are. That's what this would have been a rant about. We're in perilous times. We're in the last days. We're in that time that Peter stepped forward and talked about in Joel 2.28 in Acts chapter 2. The last days began on the day of Pentecost. It was an alarm clock that woke up the fallen. It told them the king's coming back. We're running out of time. We have to rebuild our kingdoms. We got to get ready for our brothers that are getting out of prison. And they've been working around the clock to stop us and to destroy us. Are you praying around the clock? Are you doing what you need to do for you and your family? When the fire fell in the upper room, and I believe all of creation, all the supernatural realms saw it happen, it was a signal fire that the end was at hand. I'm telling you right now, the end is at hand. I won't tell you it's tomorrow. I won't tell you it's next week. I won't tell you it's a year from 10 years. I don't know. But what I do know is it could be any day. And if you're so busy thinking about politics, if you're so busy concentrating on entertainment or video games or all the things of sports or whatever it is, if that's what your eyes are on, 
you're not going to be ready. If this word's not inside of you, if you don't know how to pray, if you've been wasting your time all these years listening to me, listening, oh, what rant will Richard go on this week? That's not why I'm here. I'm not here for entertainment or amusement. I'm here pouring out to you from my heart. Wake up. Get ready. You have no clue what's about to happen on this earth. You are not prepared for what's coming. You're fixated on your jobs. You live in your your jobs, whatever they may be. And I know you've got to pay your bills. And I know that they're important. But he's more important. Getting people saved, healed, and delivered is more important. Offering grace and mercy to people and not judgment is more important. It's more important to spend time with him and find out what his will is. And maybe some of you have got to go back to the beginning and check everything through him. Lord, do you want me to do this? Do you want me to do that? Do you want me to go here? Because you've lost your way. You can't hear his voice. You hear your voice and you think it sounds like him. When Larry and I talked today, and then I, now I want to pray with you. We talked about it yesterday, we talked about it again today, and I've had, over this last week, and we're only in Wednesday, I've had three apocalyptic, apocalyptic dreams starting from Sunday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So I've had three apocalyptic dreams in four days. And none of them are fun, I will tell you that. And I don't look forward to this at all. I don't look forward to it one bit. But I will tell you this. I will stand. And the only running I'm going to do is like David did towards Goliath. And if you wander off into the woods. And the shepherd looks at one of us, his sheepdogs, and says, go get him. We'll come get you and hope that we get you before the enemy does. But I'm asking you right now to change, change your perspective, take a good look at your walk with the Lord and ask him to give an assessment to you of what you need to fix. Father, I pray I've done what you wanted me to do. If I've offended anybody, I apologize. If I've scared anybody, I apologize. I pray that they heard your voice and felt your heart. I pray you'd wake up your children. And for those that are going to rise up and stand at our side, so be it. Give us the ability, the provisions, to create schools of the Spirit and begin to train people and pray with people, to become highly mobile and travel all across this nation and even this world to redeem the land, to live out Luke 4.18. I pray your children will wake up out of love, be so anxious to see you and to please you. And like Mary, just want to sit at your feet. No more Marthas. If you're a Martha, repent. Become Mary. Let somebody else do the cooking. Lord, I pray your children would hear your voice, they would know your love, and that your word would fill them, heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. And I pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grun. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.